hello, listeners. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode 63. going okay as well as it can be in this crazy crazy time i suspect by now pretty much everyone listening is locked down in their house i hope you are staying home i hope you're being responsible uh lord knows a lot of people around here aren't (laughs) it's pretty painful our governor finally only gave the shelter in play well they don't know stay at home order on Friday, and he didn't have it start till Monday at 5 p.m., so we're not technically under one yet. It's a beautiful weekend. It's just absolutely gorgeous out there and sunny and 75, and it's like the most perfect weather in the world. So, of course, everybody will be out. And uh, it's crazy, man. Yeah, it's it's terrifying. I, I, I'm not going out there this weekend. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Today marks the three weeks since Emma and I have been in our quarantine. I mean, you know, at first we were kind of half-assed about it. I had just gotten back from New York, and I knew we needed to stock up on supplies, so I I was going out a lot, but only to grocery stores to get the supplies, and that's really, I've really pulled way back now. Uh, Yeah, this week I'm trying to go, uh, not leaving the house at all, but, you know, it's it's hard. Oh, yeah, I forgot to turn on Do Not Disturb on my email and texts. I've been talking to my accountant about taxes because, hey, fun fact, uh, just because taxes have been, the deadline has been pushed back, not pushed back for partnerships. So I am now late on my partnership return. I should have filed a few days ago. <laughs> Woohoo! He's working on it now for me, though. So hopefully that won't be too bad of a of a penalty uh yeah anyway three weeks three weeks of nothing but grocery stores and uh, occasionally running into the pizza place most of the restaurants we you know Emma and i ate out almost every night because we work at home and emma likes to get out of the house once a day <laughs> in the old days the good old days so we ate out almost every night and uh also you know i was in new york two nights out of every two weeks so effectively one night a week on average and uh we you know we just didn't really need that many groceries and then all of a sudden we're cooking every single day and making meals every night and you know i'm here all the time and it's just been like i needed to get so many groceries and we kept running out of things and i uh you know i just had to keep getting and stocking up stocking up stocking up and every of course everybody's out of almost everything so getting things like chicken and bread and produce has been a pain i've been like one week ahead of everybody so I think we're in a pretty good place now. You know, I think I can go down to like shopping once every week or two and I should be okay at this point. Uh, Yeah, man, it's crazy, right? Like, so I think that like uh, routine has been key. Uh, Most of the day I have a routine and those parts of the day I'm I'm in good shape. I don't really think about anything. I get up, I got a routine, I got stuff to do in the morning. I had my tape project, you know, we'll talk about that. 
then Jane gets up and then I change her diaper and then I come in here and then I write my words and I post one of my tapes to Facebook and I've been writing little essays with those like sort of stay in touch with friends and you know and then I do an hour or two of whatever work I like work product I should say that I need to do I do that in the morning when nobody at work is bothering me yet and then we go make breakfast and then there's a very specific breakfast routine and then god man like it's Saturdays everybody stop bugging me and you know then come downstairs and I got work and then like Janet shows up and takes Jane she's well she's feeling better as well now none of us are sick anymore well <laughs> we're all a lot less sick let's put it that way <laughs> Uh, and then I got another hour of work with everybody at the offices. And, uh, they're not at the office anymore. Everybody else at the company is now working as well. And then, you know, I get stuff done. And then it's lunchtime. I have lunch in my calendar. I'm very firm. Noon to 1245. I have lunch with the family. And then I come back downstairs. So from like 1245 to like the end of the day, that's where I don't really have a routine. And that's where it gets kind of like rough, right? Because... You know, I'm doing work, but I don't, there's a few calls and meetings every day, one or two, like a product meeting or something. But a lot of it's just sort of ad hoc as things come in. You know, the sales guy will be like, hey, we got to work on this pricing. We got red lines back from this contract or work on an insurance thing or I'm working on a contract with the lawyers or, you know, but it's not the same thing and it's not like a routine and it's not quite enough to take all your time up. And that's really the part where I start just sort of you know, repeatedly tapping on the Hopkins dashboard or something like that. And then, um, you know, the dinner, you know, that's great. Like we make dinner all together. That's been really fun that we eat dinner. That whole process though, it is less time than it was to go out to dinner. Right. Because like, I just have to walk upstairs and start dinner and it takes like a half hour to make dinner unless I'm making something crazy, but I can't really make anything too crazy. Cause we got to make, have dinner around the same time. And then we eat really fast because no, we don't have to wait for them to serve us. And then we don't have to drive home. So we're done early. <laughs> it's like, uh, now that it's nice out, it was rainy and gloomy for about 15 days and it fucking sucked. But now that it's nice out, we've been going on our walks and that's really helped. So, you know, the dinner into the walk routine, showers on the certain days and all that, that's like nice. And then the evening, there's no real routine until Jane's bedtime. And that's like, you know, if you end up watching TV or something, it's like totally, uh, or it's also the time of day that Trump will do his lunatic press conference. And that throws you into a tizzy usually when he realized he's like, you know, blackmailing the state of New York or something like that. Just, you know, totally mature, honest, upright, things like that. And then I get really down and depressed through that and then into the evening and bedtime. So the parts I don't have a routine, it's pretty rough. I'm not going to lie. But, uh, you know, we got it better than most people. We live in a great house. We got a lot of land. We got a pretty secluded neighborhood. You can take walks without, and we run into one or two people, but it's easy to keep your distance. And so the neighborhood's been nice. People have been coming together. The next door neighbors left me a dozen eggs from their chickens and people are shopping for one another. It's all kind of heartening. I like all that. Uh, but when, you know, when the routine goes away, it's, it's bad. So the other thing I'm trying to do is I lay in bed each night and I try and find one dumb little thing the next day that'll like make me excited about the day. You know what I mean? Like one day I was like, Oh, I'll move this television from over there to over here and I'll plug it into my computer and, or like whatever. And then like, Oh, we'll do a little rearranging or, you know, one day I finished the cassette tapes. That was a big, exciting day. I was like, I'll do the last one. That'll be exciting. And then the next day I was like, well, I have all this backlog of records. Today will be record day. And I just listened to a bunch of records. So I try to find one, you know, not fun. <laughs> I'm an old man that likes to putter around his house. And that, my idea of fun is stuff like that. But now everybody, that's going to be their idea of fun because we have nothing else, you know.
Uh, friends have been doing some Zoom conferences. Honestly, I'm still pretty busy with Jane and the, and, and the work and, and, and all this other stuff and cooking more, you know, like we never cooked before and procuring the provisions. I'm also shopping for Janet. So like, but, you know, on Saturday or Friday, like our friends in Boston have got this like fun Zoom conference going. I did it last week. And then this week I did it with Emma. It was pretty fun. It was prom themed. Emma put on her wedding dress. We came downstairs and did it in my studio so we could have the big monitors and see everybody on the grid. And that was really great. You know, it was like 20, 30 people from Boston. And one, I will say one thing that's kind of nice for us that live far away from most of our best friends and never really talk to them is everybody's a lot more communicative on the internet. So we're actually hearing from people a lot more. So that's kind of nice. Um, and then after that, our DJ Chris Ewan, an uh, old friend of mine. God, I've known that guy for 30 years. It's crazy. Uh, he is the DJ, used to be the DJ at Man Ray. And then he does the goth nights and he does Heroes, which is the new wave dance night in Boston that's been going on since the mid to early 90s. Uh, it was at TT the Bears and then whatever that turned into. I can't remember the name, but, you know, obviously it's closed. So he was doing it on Twitch and it was super fun. Uh, a few of us stayed on the Zoom live, live conference and then I opened up Twitch the other one and we like listened to it and Emma got to dance with her friends and that was super fun last night and I got real drunk <laughs> the drinking rules in the house have sort of been waived a little bit um, partially because my cholesterol is fucking terrible and the doctor told me to have a glass of red wine tonight and that's mostly what I've been confining it to and not even every night but on Friday nights Friday night is party night now and so <laughs> we got to go to Heroes it was actually it was pretty pleasant uh, it got me through last night and then today you know so last time out of the house was Tuesday went and got all I told Janet I wasn't going to leave for a week and so we got uh, stocked up on all the groceries and uh, you know I'm in ultra paranoid mode like many of you are about like bringing things into the house so like our garage is like an airlock I pretend I'm in the abyss do you remember that movie <laughs> James Cameron's underwater adventure I love that movie it's, it's underrated Ooh, I should get that on HD uh, anyway so like you know I got out I took the perishables into the house on Tuesday and, and, and washed them off and put them away but all the non-perishables I just left in the car in fact I'm still oh Jesus I just left them hold on a second I better go finish that I've left the the, the gate opened to the car. <laughs> I'll be right back. Okay, sorry about that. I, uh... <laughs> I've been looking forward to unpacking the groceries all week because they've been hiding in the car, all the non-perishables, and it was one of my one fun things for today. Today's got a bunch of fun things because it's weekend, and weekends are just fun. But uh, I just forgot. I didn't finish it because we were... <laughs> Another thing I wanted to get done today was to clean two of the ovens and the stove. I clean the microwave oven, clean the stove, clean the stove top, and then we have a little like toaster oven type thing, and clean that because they're all getting really dirty. So today was like oven cleaning day, <laughs> which is like fun for me, I guess. But uh, I forgot I didn't finish emptying the car, so now I just did that. So yeah, man, one fun thing a day at least. Today it's like a it's it's just a great day of fun because. I got a like a four dollar tabletop clamp hook to hang my headphones next to my desk. That was very exciting. Um, you know, I have a Amazon Chase card and I got all my, I don't know, like 50 bucks free this month on Amazon. So I was like, I'm going to buy weird shit that I need that I can't justify. And so I bought like this little white hook that clamps onto my table and I'm so excited about it. And I got this thing. I'll tell you all about it next next uh, podcast, but I haven't really used it yet, but I got this thing. It's been in my cart forever. It's, it's like a cervical traction device. I don't know if you know anything about this, but recall that my neck is fused in three vertebrae. And the way I feel the most relief is when I just sort of take my fingers and I sort of 
wrap them around my head like a crown right above my ears and I just lift and I was like I wish there was some device that does this and it turns out there are there's a whole like world of people that are obsessed with it it's called cervical traction it's basically like lift your head away from your neck and there's like a door mounted one that was $15 and I was like it's been in my cart forever and I was like I'm buying it I don't care I'm sick of this pain in my head and I'm going to do some self care oh god sorry sorry to use that term so that came I haven't haven't um uh what do you call uh installed it yet so i'll give you a full report next week but you know all these weird little things all the boxes everything we've ordered has been sitting in the garage all week you know like partially because it's the work week and i didn't want to deal with it but also just you know like let the 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 germs die on the cardboard and shit like that but uh so today you know it's just been super fun i got some blu-rays in the mail i've been buying from best buy instead of amazon it kind of ruins my whole thing right like the whole thing was like i'd get my free points from amazon i would buy blu-rays from amazon and then i would rip them then i would sell them on ebay and thus converting some percentage of the points into cash but now amazon's like not shipping stuff and it turns out best buy is like the way to go for blu-rays so i don't really know how this is going to work now but i did a test and i ordered the four disc ultra hd avengers box set because it was on super duper sale there uh, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'll get on the rewards program or something. Also, you know, it's like Amazon isn't shipping a lot of stuff or it's delayed. It turns, it's not that bad for us. It seems like I posted this on Facebook. It seems like it's different for different people. But one thing they let you do is they let you just say, I'll take my package whenever you want. And you get a $3 digital, digital credit for Kindle or other things. So that's very exciting because I buy a lot of Kindle books. Although I got to admit, I have not been reading. We'll talk about that later. Uh, anyway, so yeah, lots of like one little fun things every day, some stupid little thing that like brings you joy, like Marie Kondo style to like, uh, you know, lighten the the mood. I find that has been helping me a lot. Uh, I'm not spending a lot of money, uh, obviously, because <laughs> I'm not leaving the house. I'm not going to New York, which is where I spend most of my money. We're not eating out for dinner. Uh, I'm not buying as much shit on the Internet. I'm not really buying many records right now. So like, uh, basically I've taken all that money and I've just been spending it on GoFundMes and friends that are more impacted by this whole thing because it's a fucking nightmare. I have a lot of friends in the events business and it's been really, really hard for them. I mean, you know, my friend Allison runs events at Buzzfeed. I invested in an events company in 12 cities, the do stuff network, you know, like I'm friends with people across the whole network. Cause I used to go to the, the annual summit in Austin, Texas from the whole network. So I have friends do NYC, do 512, do 617, do 312 Seattle, do LA. Well, they're all just like out of work, you know, and it's just, it's so painful. Uh, my friend Nikki, you know, he's a photographer of events. That's like a problem. I mean, so many people I know are in the events business and it's just like, it's a nightmare. So, and then of course, you know, bars, I live for bars of New York bars. Like, um, I spent a significant amount of time the last week trying to track down the Tom and Jerry's gang my favorite bar in New York. A lot of, some of them, my favorite bars had GoFundMe's already going. Whiskey Ward already had one, for example. So I donated to that one. Do stuff and do NYC, have them going. And, you know, I donated to those. But Tom and Jerry's made me the most concerned. And, you know, Tom and Jerry's is like, ironically, for a bar that is known as being the place where the internet industry in New York gathers, it's not a very internet savvy bar. It took forever. Finally, my friend Alyssa remembered she had like, she was Facebook friends one of one of with one of the ex-bartenders. And we got all of her and we got her, we got Brian's number from her and we got from the, the GoFundMe from Brian. So I finally found the Tom and Jerry's GoFundMe. I've been spreading the word about that. I donated to it. You know, like I, I'm trying to, it's one thing that's, I was just talking about this with my friend Doug is like, it's one thing that's really hard with this 
you know, it seems like a no brainer, right? Like uh, if I'm not spending extra money and my job is more or less secure, we'll talk about the work section, but I, you know, I'm, I'm as good as anybody really can be in this situation that all the extra money I was, would be spending and as much as I can, I should be giving to you know, organizations and friends in need. Right. And that's a no brainer. I mean, that's just happening. The one thing that's really frustrating about this is it's like, it's not working aligned to charities that, you know, it's all this new charities, brand new from different places, you know, and new funds. And there's no like, like verification yet there's no double checking and it's really stressful it is stressing me out you know so i try to i've been i've been sticking to like service worker stuff and i've been sticking to the gofundmes like there's one in the triangle for the whole triangle i donated that one it was in the paper and they said it was legit so i trust them on that one you know, and like uh, Nightlight is a bar here that we really like. It's a sort of an experimental independent venue, and I donated to that one. Bow Bar, which is a great independent bar in in, in Carborough. I love that place. Um, you know, I haven't found the one. Oh, I did the Orange County Social Club, which is another one in, in, in Chapel Hill in Carborough. Uh, I haven't found the one yet for uh, Cat's Cradle employees. I haven't found the one for, you know... Uh, Oh, there's one other place that I really wanted to do. And then the other, then the restaurants are a whole problem. Like a lot of our favorite restaurants closed before I could even, uh, get gift certificates from them. So that's a whole problem, right? Uh, I think that med deli in Chapel Hill is still doing high expensive catering through DoorDash or something. And I think we're going to just do a feast of middle Eastern one day this week. That'll be fun to get it delivered. Um, but you know, moon Asian bistro where, I mean, they love Jane. We go there every week. They, you know, we're all friends now. They just closed. I don't know how to get a hold of them. I don't know where they are. The other Chinese place, the Chinese takeout place right, right close to us. I got, I, I got takeout from there like a week ago and then this week they're closed. So the pizza place is still open. I still, I, I, we go there every Friday. <laughs> we habitually in the past have gone there every Friday. And now, you know, I, I call in a, a delivery order. I go over there the stores one in one out. Now I go in, I grab my food. And I tip them really well and I leave. So I've been trying, but like, you know, it's like, I don't really know what to donate to. Like, there's no like doctors without borders equivalent to this, right? There's the stuff that Bernie tweeted out for service workers. And I gave you that, of course, but yeah, it's rough, man. And yeah, I, I, there's service workers and that would include the bartenders, but then there's all my friends in the events industry. Like I just, I've been, I've been involved in the events industry for so long. I have so many friends in it and there's no real way to like, it's a lot harder to do a GoFundMe for them than it is like the bar people. So I don't really know. That's been bumming me out a little bit. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, let's move on. I uh, got everything on my list here. Groceries. I made some notes. I always make some notes. So uh, I wish this. Yeah. The other thing is, I wish there was some way we could do some sort of social distancing thing with the neighbors. We were thinking maybe once uh, the next door neighbors have a big fire pit, it's like 20 feet wide. Once their parents leave because they're elderly and at risk, maybe we could do some sort of bonfire where we all sit 10 feet apart. But uh, nobody's really feeling it too much. We're all kind of like, eh, it's a little scary. Uh, Jane is doing good. She's almost conversational now, which is pretty cool. Last night on the Zoom call, I called in before bedtime. And uh, for the last two nights, uh, Emma's just, you know, Jane's just been resisting Emma on going to bed at night and every step of the way, you know, brushing teeth, like putting on the, changing the diaper, putting on the pajamas, she just screams at her. And it's like, I try to help. Like a normal night is we're both upstairs. All three of us are upstairs. Jane's playing. We're watching her. Maybe we'll watch like some adventure time or something that she likes, or we'll just play with her or we'll read her or whatever. And then it's bedtime and Emma sort of takes the lead and I come in and help as needed. And then we all say goodnight and then Emma and I go and enjoy ourselves. But like the last week, it's just been like Jane just screams at her the whole time. And it's like Emma's still recovering from illness. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to do this. And so uh, this is the thing that had started 
when I was still traveling is, you know, Emma had two nights a week, every two weeks. So basically one night a week that she had to do Jane alone when I wasn't here. So when I was here in return, I would do Jane by myself and Emma could like take a long bath or go downstairs or do something else, you know, and I would just watch Jane all night and I would put her to bed. So I was like, Oh, it's definitely time for another one of those. And so I did it two nights ago and <laughs> Jane was just like this perfect little angel for me. Right. Like uh, we, we stayed upstairs and she plays daddy slide. Like I sit on the floor and she slides down me and we play all these games and you know, she climbs around and we've got a whole routine of play. And then I was like, let's brush teeth. And she just not only brushed her teeth, but let me brush her teeth properly, you know, cause she doesn't actually know how to brush her teeth. And uh, she never lets Emma do it. I think it was the first time she's ever let one of us brush her teeth without resisting. And then, you know, she picked her outfit, let me change her outfit, let me change a diaper, like let her close the door, turn off the lights, the curtains, she has to do all of that. You can't do it for her anymore. And then she was just like, you know, I sang her her song, and then I did the 10 kisses routine, which I do every night. Like, I give her 10 kisses, it's the last thing she gets before she goes to bed. And uh, she was just a, a darling angel for all of it. It was hilarious. And so I put her to bed, I went downstairs, and I told Emma, she didn't cry once, and she was like, great, and Emma was just like, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> it was so unfair. So we're like, okay, well, well we're going to, Emma ended up having some freelance work, so she didn't get to really relax. And so we're like, we'll do it again tonight. So I did it again last night and, you know, the Zoom call was going. So I put the Zoom call and I just let the, I put it on mute and I just let them watch me do Jane's bedtime routine. And she resisted on the toothbrushing again, but not near as much. And then everything else she was just fine for once again, you know, and everybody watched. And then like we finished and I sang her her song and I did 10 kisses and I unmuted and I was like, say bye-bye. And she goes, bye-bye to all the people on the zoom it was so cute uh and then i put her to bed and i went downstairs emma was in like an hour-long bath at this point and i switched the zoom over to the computer and i texted emma i was like she was good again so i think i'm gonna do it again tonight i'm just gonna do it for a few nights give emma a break and uh you know like just see if we can maybe get her out of this this tantrum at every night routine it's just it's just too much you know it is nice that she's blissfully ignorant about everything that's going on in the world though it's not that different for us because she just doesn't know, you know what I mean? We still go on walks. I think she probably like has wondered why she hasn't been in the car in three weeks because <laughs> she hasn't at all. I mean, I might take her on a drive one of these days, but you know, she just, it's just normal to her. So that's, that's nice. Uh, Janet as well. So I've like, for the first two weeks, I think I mentioned this last time is like, I was watching Jane a lot more during work hours and it was really hard, but it's gotten better. Janet's back on the case. So we're, you know, Jane's good. Jane's good. She talks a lot. She's, she's growing up, but she's got a personality. It's kind of amazing, you know? All right. Media projects. So the most exciting thing is I finished ripping all of the tapes. I mean, all of them, it was about 105 tapes total. Now I would say about 15 or 20 of those were not mixtapes they were you know tapes of one band or rocket stuff or demos of friends or something like that so there's about 80 tapes 80 mixtapes i have posted 30 or so so i've got about two months of mixtapes i'm still posting one a day it's lovely i write little stories with them and i talk about the day's events if it makes me feel very in touch with my friends it's nice don't get a lot of comments on them but people say they appreciate it so that's nice um yeah it's all done so 
the tabletop work area, I haven't put the tape deck away and I haven't put all that away. That's on today's agenda. So that'll be very, very rewarding. And then I'm going to move on to the four tracks. I think tomorrow that'll be my one fun thing for tomorrow is I'm going to record my first four track into logic and set up all the templates. So I'll give you guys a report on that next week. Uh, but in, in that project, uh, towards the end, there was a lot of like what I did, you know, my shelves have the mixtapes and then they had like friends, bands, demos. Most of those were already ripped. And then like just sort of cassettes of albums, right? Like thriller by Michael Jackson. And of those, was like 10 were kind of obscure maybe 20 and so i pulled all those out and i would go over and i would one by one I, like after i finished all the mixtapes this is what i've been doing this week is i would like okay let's look at this one yeah yeah this one you know all about eve whatever yeah it is on spotify so i'm gonna listen to it once on spotify but i don't need to rip this one and there were about like 10 in there that i needed to rip because they weren't on spotify and i listened to all those this week and it was kind of fun i mean one was this uh this demo of this label called 1953 it was called 1953 artist demo number two there's nothing about it on the internet i know where i got it because i found i looked up the, i googled the address the mailing address of the demo and the mailing address of the demo used to be a venue in cleveland ohio called speak in tongues and in 1996 on the cine talk tour we played at speak in tongues and speak in tongues was awesome it was like an arts venue and like sort of like flop house <laughs> uh what do you call those things in england where people say well whatever you know like uh uh rented out from the communist party <laughs> it was just amazing there's a couple of great oral histories of it on on the internet uh and i really hit it off with you like one of the manager of the venue and we just loved the place and it was like one of the first shows in the tour and i just you know it was great and this this demo tape is from there i don't know if it's like his bands or like friends or somebody else that was staying in the space but it was great like all four bands on it i there's nothing about any of them on the internet and uh i can't you know there's no point i mean i, I can share it with you if you're curious but it's just cool ambient 80s or late 90s synth kind of weird like mellow uh it was cool i mean it, could, it, it wouldn't be out of place on ghostly today you know what i mean it was, it was it was sweet i was impressed and then like i had a copy of the jerky boys tapes the original jerky boys tapes i got from my friend john benchop in 1992 that was unlistenable i couldn't listen to them i just ripped it and ripped it on mute and just i tried to listen for like 10 minutes and i was like i can't listen to the jerky boys oh god uh i really liked them at the time but it's it has not withstood the test of time let's put it that way uh and then i had a great like uh cassette of this guy nick at night he was a dj on wfnx in boston he did the overnight and it was like obscure stuff and i had like a 2 30 to 4 a.m recording from his from 1992 and it was great oh my god that was that was fantastic like new ministry coming out and kmfdm and stuff like that and that was really really pleasant it has all the ads and stuff too it's a really great little slice of moment of time there and then my friend Catherine, who lives in marfa she uh like works and owns with different assorted people several of the establishments out there including food shark and convenience west the barbecue place she had sent me a while back two tapes of her her boyfriend slash partner adam borks uh, he had put out they're called marfa sounds volume one and volume two they have adam's music on it but everybody else in marfa so they're all over the place it's from like weird experimental shit to like cool indie rock to like some like velvet underground covers to like like mariachi bands and folk and and they're two great tapes i listened to them when she sent them but like it's been you know a year or two i think uh so they were really great to listen to those again and i ripped those too so i can listen to them all the time 
uh, Medicine, the famed LA-based noise shoegaze band, put out a box set a while back, and it came with a cassette tape called Always Starting to Stop, which was a bunch of live recordings from the 92 tour, which was awesome, and I saw it at TT's with my friend Mike Anderson, and it fucking ruled, and uh, I ripped to that, and it is so good. Always starting to stop by medicine. And then uh, this uh, this guy, William Carlos Witten, a.k.a. Bill Witten from Grand Mall. Remember Grand Mall? They used to play on Boston all the time. Like, all my friends toured with them or played with them. They always played with Neptune and stuff like that. Uh, has a cassette called Burn My Letters that's out on that cassette label. Whose name eludes me? Uh, one moment. I Heart Noise. Uh, so this label put out a cassette reissue of the first Turkish Delight album not too long ago. Turkish Delight was a Boston noisy indie rock band that was uh, their second album was on our label Arch Enemy Records. And uh, so I got to talk to that guy. Actually, he really released the second album. He really re-released Houchin Magoucha. So... Uh, anyway, he sent me this tape when I ordered the Turkish Delight cassette, and it's pretty good. I really liked it. And then I had two Deer Hunter cassettes, the uh, Rainwater Cassette Exchange and On Plat Iowitz Island that I had gotten from that 4AD Haiti benefit auction that I did like 10 years ago. And I have listened to once, and so I listened to them, and they're great. They're, you know, Deer Hunter at that Deer Hunter's Prime. Uh, I'm, you know, I wasn't that impressed with the new Deer Hunter album, but like, you know, Deer Hunter, when he was in his perfect moment, ugh, yeah, he's awesome. And these two tapes are really great. Uh, Rainwater Cassette Exchange is on Spotify, but I ripped it anyway. And then On, Playa, on Platt's Iote Island was not, so I ripped that one. So that was fun. I'm all done with the mixtapes. I'm all done ripping cassettes. Now I'm moving on to four tracks. It's very exciting. Yeah, I'm into it. And I'm still doing the Blu-ray ripping and the UHD Blu-ray ripping. It's pretty fun. Uh, Walmart. <laughs> I, you know, I go do my provision shopping, and um, a lot of it's at Walmart. They have the best stock here. Uh, it's a little frustrating because they don't have you know, the best brands all the time, but they are the most consistently in stock of the three stores near me. And, uh, you know, they got ultra-high-definition Blu-rays in their electronics section, and I've always sort of swung by, and that's where I've been buying new releases. But that's all messed up now, right? So, like, everybody's just pushing forward their new releases on digital, like Onward, the new Pixar movie. But the, the, the Blu-rays aren't coming out, so <laughs> it's like they have just been filling it up with, like, weird old Blu-rays. So, like, this week there was, like, the Warcraft Blu-ray, or 4, 4K UHD for, like, seven bucks, and I was like, all right, I'll buy that. And I just bought it, I ripped it, I sold it on eBay for six bucks. I was like, all right, this is pretty pretty good deal and uh you know i still have the netflix dvd blu-ray <laughs> membership so they've been sending me stuff i've been slowly re-ripping into hd with all the bo bonus footage the the rest of the marvel cinematic universe that's come out in the last five years i had all the early stuff but i'm just sort of finishing it out and fleshing it out so that's been fun got little women up there uh and uh portrait of a lady on fire gotta watch that soon and onward uh, if you're a Plex user, you know, if you want to get in on that, let me know, man. I can friend you and you can you can watch a lot of movies on my Plex library. It's pretty cool. Uh, the big problem, though, is that right before sort of the plague struck, I had sent this box, those Kodak. I don't know if you're getting these ads. I get these ads every day. Like somebody figured out I'm an archive nerd and I get the box, the ads for the Kodak archive box that you can buy the box. They send it to your house. You fill it up with stuff. You send it off and they digitize it all. And I had sent one off because last time I was home, I got a bunch of old family photos from my parents, but a bunch of them were slides. I don't have a slide scanner anymore. I know it's embarrassing. I've been in possession with a slide scanner for most of my life, but right now I don't have one. And I was like, well, this would be fun and easy, and it's cheaper than buying a slide scanner, and all my other slides are scanned, so there's no point in buying a new one. So I'm going to send this box off, but now I don't know if it's ever coming back. It's supposed to be four to six weeks, but, you know, <laughs> like... 
I don't think that like photo archiving scanning is an essential service wherever these people are located. So they keep sending me status updates saying it's fine, but I'm really stressed because it's like a ton of rare old family photos and I stupidly sent them off. So that's not cool, man. That's not cool. Hopefully I get them back, even if it takes a while. Uh, yeah. And then the funny thing is I wrote this short story like a year ago. In fact, it was March 19th, 2019. And it was this weird short story. I remember it very vividly. I was at the Eagle. I was dropping, I was dropping off the mail. The Eagle is the gas station post office near me. Bodega gas station, post office, Burger King, all in one. It's amazing. And as I was getting out of the car, I just had this hilarious idea about like, if there was an apocalypse and, uh, the only, one of the only things of culture that survived was my record collection. Right. Like it's kind of like the subconscious shit that goes through the head of some pack rat. Like me, like you're always thinking about like, well, you know, I'm saving this for posterity, you know, and it's just absurd. Right. Like, obviously I'm not, but so I was like, I'm, this will be hilarious. I'll write this short story about how, as if my record collection was like the only musical collection that survived some sort of Gibson jackpot esque apocalypse. Right. And I, I, so I came home and I wrote it. It is about 20 pages for me, 15 pages. And, uh, I just wrote it all in one go but I didn't finish and uh you know I got the world building and I got the like whole thing and then my record collection is the only one left and and I but I, I didn't get the tongue and cheekness of the thing quite right which is the whole point right like the whole point is the story is part of poking fun at me for being such a pack rat with the records that like I believe something like that would actually be conceivable uh and I remember this story and it's been on my desktop for a year because I I thought I know I only need like another two hours of work on it and I'll be done and then I'll post it but now it's like it doesn't work because we're in a different sort of apocalypse and it's too close to home. <laughs> and especially the way I predicted the apocalypse, it was like economics and, 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 and illness and health, but not like, you know, anything major. It was like a slow death kind of apocalypse. And, and it's just too close to home now. And I never got it to be fully funny. So I just was like, you know what? Fuck it. It's never going to get any further along than it is. So I just did a light copy edit on it. And I just posted it to medium and I got it out there. So if you're curious about it, it's, it's on my Facebook too, but, uh, I, I got that done, I guess you could say this week. So that's something I feel like kind of okay about. I wish I had made it finished before this all happened though, because, but you know, it's like, I was reading all these interviews with William Gibson about agency and the peripheral, his new book, you know, his new series and how hard it was for him to keep going after Trump got elected. And like, I feel you, man, God, this story just reality caught up and it was like, yeah, this doesn't feel like science fiction anymore. <laughs> I need to stop. Ugh, it was rough. Anyway, uh, music. Let's see. First off, I'd like to acknowledge that Genesis Peorich passed away, which is very, very sad. Uh, that guy is amazing. I first saw him at two shows at Mass Art in 1992. I was way too young to be watching these shows. The first one was like a ritual, like piercing of his genitalia and as part of like a tribal sort of ceremony it was intense and insane and then the second night he gave a sermon he just stood there at a, at a pulpit and gave a sermon like he was in church and I, it was unlike anything i'd ever seen i think i was a freshman because i was dating 80 at the time and like i was just like oh my god this is mind-boggling it just blew me away and you know i mean i saw sonic youth uh, god sorry psycho tv several times after that like you know the like the the acid house stuff and all of that and it was amazing and then the last couple of years i was living in williamsburg he would annually play the brooklyn bazaar 
over the holidays. And so I saw him several times, three or four or five times across the last few years living in Williamsburg because he was living in New York. You know, uh, Gibby and Ryan were putting his music out on Deus Records. My friend Jillian was friends with him. And like, I never met him, but like I was going to those shows and they were so great. And I remember one, it was like Christmas Eve or maybe New Year, like the day after Christmas or something like that. And he was playing the, did a like 10 minute long cover of Jump Into the Fire, the Harry Nilsson song. And it was just like fucking phenomenal. And it was really interesting because all the other times I'd seen Sonic or Psychic TV, God, I keep doing that. And Throbbing Gristle, I caught Throbbing Gristle. Um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't that musical, right? I mean, the electronic stuff was, especially when you had Fred Gianelli in the band, like the Infinite Beat era and stuff like that. But like that last band he had was like a perfect, amazing psych rock band. Like they could have, if, if it wasn't Genesis Pure Origin, that was just like a bunch of local Brooklyn kids. Everybody would have been in awe of it. You know, it was just a great band. And uh, it's really sad. That guy was just an amazing person. We I saw up in Mass Mocha a long time ago. Me and Judy and some friends went up there and saw his exhibit up there and I just you know 30 30 years of my life or longer I first bought that stuff on wax tracks when I was in high school and it's just you know he was he was impressive and I'm I'm very sad about that just thought I would mention that uh discogs this week we sold Nick Cave's Let Love In what a fantastic record I already own it on vinyl good to go Grizzly Bear rack of a test I don't know where I got that I think it was from the 480 thing maybe I don't know it's weird I didn't even know I owned it uh, A Northern Soul by The Verve uh it's a great record I have it on vinyl uh yeah I was okay with that I'm fine I'm fine uh, a record by this band Fuck I don't know if you remember them uh, it was called Baby Loves a Funny Bunny the CD came like a matchbook it's a really great like artifact of 90s indie rock and I was a little sad to see it go but that guy was excited to have it so he could have it and then I saw the Controlled Bleeding album from Wax Track Songs from the Grinding Wall uh, that's fine uh, I love that record I would not honestly wouldn't mind owning it on vinyl I gave it a listen and I was like ooh this is great but uh, you know on to somebody that deserves it more. Marie Kondo, Spark Joy. Say goodbye. Thank it's for its service. Thank you for your service songs from the grinding wall. Enjoy your life out there in the world. And then, now that I'm done with the mixtapes, I've gone back to listening to vinyl, and there's a ton of vinyl backlog that I hadn't listened to that I had bought before the, uh, the plague came along that had just been sitting there for a long time, and now I've just been listening to it all. Some of it had arrived in the mail, pre-orders and stuff like that, but it's been great. For the last two or three days, I've just been listening to vinyl solid again. It's been really, really nice. Let's see. We got uh, All About Eve, a uh, goth, sort of folky goth band from the 90s in England, the, the United Kingdom. Uh, I had one of their albums forever, Scarlet and Other Stories. I have it on vinyl. And so I listened, re-listened to that. And then I bought one at School Kids Records. Some goth sold a ton of vinyl, and I've been buying it up there. But I can't go back. It's kind of frustrating. So uh, I got the self-titled first album, which I had never heard. And it's awesome. It's way better than the one I already had. <laughs> I'm super into it. I listened to that several times. And then I bought a 25th anniversary release of Buffalo Tom's Let Me Come Over, which I just love that record. And I did not have it on vinyl. I have Bird Brand on vinyl, but I did not have that one on vinyl. And I sold the CD. And, uh, you know, I saw them a ton on that tour. And this, not even tour because they're Boston awesome band. I saw them like a million times. And I was really into Mineral, and I was really into, like, Taillights Fade. And, God, every song on that album is just so good, you know? It's great. And the 25th anniversary vinyl comes with a bonus album, which is an entire live set at London's Ulu. And 
it's amazing. It's so good. It's making me very, very happy. I listened to that like twice. Uh, Greg Dooley, solo album, Random Desire. Got that on vinyl, and I've been listening to that a bunch as well. And then uh, at School Kids, when I did that last shopping, my friend Josick was in town visiting his wife's family, and we went record shopping. I think I mentioned this, uh, but I never got around to listening to any of it. So then I listened to the Sinead O'Connor, I Do Not Want What I Have Not Got, the Greek pressing I got for like $5 in mint condition. It was amazing. It was like, you don't usually find stuff priced like that at record stores anymore. They, they know what they got usually these days but that was you know it's a great record i, I love sinead i already have a uh, line of the cobra on vinyl so now i got the two classic sinead albums on vinyl that's pretty exciting uh some stuff from vinyl me please got the lp album lp as in the the hip-hop artist lp not the lp album the lp lp uh i'll sleep when you're dead which i'd never heard i'm you know uh my friend doug loves lp and keeps telling me i would like him because i'm mainly in the production of hip-hop and it's great. He wasn't kidding. It's a great record. And then uh, St. Cloud, the new Waxahachie album. I accidentally ordered two copies of that. Not sure what I'm going to do without that. Might sell it on Discogs. Not sure. But uh, that's fantastic. Love Waxahachie. Love Waxahachie. I'm sad I won't get to see her on this tour because nobody's touring anymore. Uh, Parasite soundtrack is really good. I did not notice how good the soundtrack was when I was watching the movie. And it's fantastic. And I've been listening to it a bunch. Uh, Rowan S. Howard, Teenage Snuff Film. I think I mentioned most of these when I bought them, but now I finally listened to them. That's a great record. I had forgotten how good that record was. There's a new Blood Red First US It's Vinyl pressing of that from Vinyl Me Please. It's fantastic. And then I bought an Eric Bachman's last album, which I had just missed called No Recover, and it's so good. Eric Bachman is so good. That guy, man. Oof. You're like, I want to be a bearded singer-songwriter guy that makes good stuff, and you're like, no, I can't, because I'll never be as good as Eric Bachman. Man, he's serious. Uh, and then I listened to a bunch of other stuff on Spotify. I listened to Area, which is this goth folk band from the 90s, uh, 80s maybe even, on Salem Mort Records. They turned into the Moon Seven Times. Uh, perfect Dream. I had this, I have this on vinyl, and I had t- made a cassette of it ages ago, and I wanted to make sure it was on Spotify, and it was. And I was like, okay, cool. Well, I don't have any of these started into my all-time favorite tracks, so I'll give it a listen. And man, it's just such a great record. And then I listened to the Moon Seven Times again, which I really love them. Uh, solid stuff. And then uh, Anna Calvi has a new EP out called Hunted, and it's fantastic. There's a new Caroline Rose album called Superstar, which is very good. People love it, and I, I, I chalk it up as very good. I like the last one better. I've given this three listens now, and I found like I've started a couple tracks, but it's, you know, I'm not loving it as much as everybody else, but it's it's very good. Uh, and then I found this new band I just love. I was on the Spaceman 3 Facebook list. There's a Spaceman 3 Facebook group, and I'm on it because a lot of those people are from rugby. They knew when they were kids. It's just interesting. They have good live photos and stuff. It's good. It's a good Facebook group. Uh, and somebody was like, you know, I just, you know, it's hard to find bands like Spaceman 3 these days. I mean, we had a good period with like Place Berry Strangers and stuff like that, but it's been hard these days. But one band I've really been loving is this White Noise Sound Band. And I was like, ooh, let's check them out. So I did. They have an album called Like a Pyramid of Fire, and it is awesome i just listened to it today and i'm so into them they're like that uh, i was raving about this band toy a couple months ago and they're better than toy ever doing that sort of droney space rock thing and my god oh wow yeah i'm into them uh and then also came out today was a new nils from album he has one out today called empty uh for piano day 2020 apparently and you know uh interesting quarantine music is starting to come out now, right? So empty seems to be fitting into that, that vein. There's also a new, uh, Edward Cospell record that he made on day one of quarantine. And that's pretty good too. That's on Bandcamp. Edward Cospell is a pretty solid Bandcamp. I was supporting him on Bandcamp day. 
Uh, and then uh, the I finally listened to the new Childish Gambino, three fifteen twenty. So I guess I'm like thirteen days behind on that. Listen to it today. That was fantastic, man. I was like, kind of didn't think I was gonna like it. I didn't really love the last one, but man, it's so good. Oof, that made me excited. Oof, yeah, that was a good record. Uh, and then I listened to the second volume two, or volume two, the second part of that. His name is Alive Home Recordings that I had mentioned before. Uh, this one's called Return to Never Home Recordings, 1979-1986, volume two. And they're great. And it's like, ah, that dude's only a couple years older than me. And somehow he's making amazing music in 1979. And I am just sort of blown away by it. It's crazy. Uh, and then a new ghostly signing, Caitlin Aurelia Smith. It's really good. Album called The Kid. Uh, mellow, kind of awesome. Kind of like that uh, 1953 artist demo, actually. <laughs> I wonder what happened to all those bands. I wonder if any of them are still doing stuff. I can't even, none of them are even on Discogs. It's pretty fascinating. Uh, and then finally, uh, Hilda Goodendotter, who won the Oscar for Best Score this year. Also did the Chernobyl soundtrack. She has an album of her own called Mount A. It was uh, pretty much what you expect from some of those ambient Icelandic classical sort of things in the Johan Johansson vein. She used to collaborate with him a lot. Uh, but it's great. It's called Mount A. Strongly recommend A+. That's been the music and the media. Archiving stuff. Television. Let's see. Uh, there's been some rewatches. Well, we're watching the last season of Drunk History because, you know, it's escapist. It's good. It makes you want to get drunk. Also, sometimes I'll have like my tiny wine, my single serving of wine that I have at night and we'll watch Drunk History and I'll pretend I'm as drunk as them. That's kind of fun. Uh, and then we're rewatching Adventure Time from the beginning because Jada loves it. And, uh, you know, we don't watch it. We just put it on and she like sings along to the songs and stuff. And it's so cute while she's playing. Uh, which is exactly what you're not supposed to do in parenting. I realize that, but whatever, man, I'm doing it anyway. I don't even, I don't even fucking care. I watch nine hours of TV a day when I was a kid and I'm fine. I am currently surrounded by seven screens. So maybe those two are related. Uh, MSNBC, of course, uh, misery within the news. And I have successfully been avoiding watching Trump's press conferences. I watched one and I was like, I'm never doing this again. And, uh, but I, we've been watching the news and it's pretty painful. Emma decided today was a day of no news, and I heartily agree. We will not watch any today. We didn't either yesterday, too, because we were partying with our friends in the basement. Uh, we, we also finished that Hillary four-part series on Hulu, which was very, very good, but this is not the time to watch it because you were strongly very very angry by the end uh whatever your views on hillary they do sort of handle it right the hillary staffer after she loses is like look man it was so close whatever your theory is about why she lost you're right they're all right every theory is right it was bernie it was it was wisconsin it was it was comey it was russia all of these things everything everything made the difference because it was such a small thing and it's so painful you know like what we're going through now and watching that ugh. You know, it'd be just as painful as it was Bernie or anybody else. This isn't like a democratic in-party thing, but not time to watch it. That's all I'm saying. Uh, we started Devs, and it's very, very good, but I didn't realize it's not all out yet, and now we have to watch it once a week, and that's super annoying because I wanted to binge, and I'm very bitter about it. So I'm not starting anything else. And I got another one of those, too, because I'm watching the Lego show Brickmasters with Will Arnett, which is actually pretty pleasant, and it's good. I recommend it. But it's also coming out once a week, so it's like, come on, man, I need to binge something. I'm not going to start Picard until it's all out. I don't really know. We're not actually watching much of these things, so it doesn't really matter anyway. But Devs was like, oh, we got our stride again. We're watching something. It's kind of weird. You know, it's just like my story. It's like uh, dystopic, but it's dystopic now that we're in a different dystopia. So you're like, that's dystopic, but I'm not scared of that dystopia because we are in a different dystopia now. 
So it kind of works as escapist, even though it's brutally dark. <laughs> I don't know. It's a little weird. Uh, but, you know, we're going for pretty full on escapism. I rewatched Knives Out because Emma hadn't seen it. It really holds up. That was party two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago. I may have even mentioned it on the podcast, huh? Uh, yeah, I was like drinking, watching Knives Out. I was like, oh, this is a good movie. It really works, even when you know the ending and who did it. Uh, and then last last week or sometime this week, we watched Frozen 2. <laughs> we came downstairs and we were going to watch, I don't know, Little Women or something. And uh, Emma was like, nah, fuck it. Let's watch Frozen 2. I was like, yeah, all right. So I just drank and we watched Frozen 2. And it was a little disjointed. And I don't know if that's the booze or the kid thing, but uh, I, it was fine. It wasn't as good as Frozen 1, but you know. It's done. And then we watched, uh, we're going to, we're back into comedy or we're going to be. So we watched the John Mulaney kid, gorgeous radio city special. That was satisfying. We'll probably watch the Mark Maron one tonight. No, I think we're gonna do onward tonight, but, uh, that's really it for movies. I haven't been watching a lot of movies and I haven't been reading a lot of books. I started the new Piketty capital and ideology. I got like a hundred, 200 pages into it. And I was like, I just kind of stopped because I was bored. Uh, I get the premise and it reminds me a lot of, <laughs> This podcast is hilarious because it's so like, blah, blah, blah. This is all total small talk and non-academic. And I'm like, the new Piketty reminds me a lot of the economic theories of George Bataille, who I wrote my economic thesis about in undergrad. And George Bataille was worked at the Bibliothèque Française, is best noted for his pornography writings, and specifically the story of the eye. You may remember the story of the eye being the book that Julie Delpy is holding on the train and before sunrise. George Bataille was also friends with uh, the Surrealists. He was very good friends with Albert Camus, for example, and the Existentialists. And uh, he was an anthropologist, and he wrote an amazing three-part sort of economic treatise called The Accursed Share that is basically hugely influential on my economic thinking. It has worked its way into more, most of the books I've written. It has a very large section in the advertising book that isn't out yet. And, uh, you know, he sort of exists outside of other economic theory, I thought, except for this new Piketty, which I think is reasonable because Piketty is also sort of a French institutionalist academic, as George Bataille was, with a little bit of roguishness to them. Uh, it actually, the, the new Piketty is doing a good job of bringing Bataille's accursed share theory back into mainstream economics. So I'll give him props for that. The French school, I think we could call it some sort of Piketty Bataille thing. And, uh, yeah, none of you care what I'm care we're talking about now, probably, but, uh, it's pretty interesting to me. Uh, the book is interesting, but I am a little, you know, I had, I remember it's funny when I read the accursed share, uh, in 1993, the first time, uh, he, as well, like Piketty, he does a survey of sort of anthropological survey of different cultures throughout time and applies the, his economic theories to them. With Bataille, it works because you're like, this dude's an anthropologist, so he knows all this stuff. His out being the outside of his wheelhouse portion of this is the economics, not the anthropology. But with Piketty, it's the inverse. The anthropology is outside his wheelhouse. So you're reading, you know, about some Tibetans or something in the 19 or 1820s and the, the, the ramifications of scarcity economics and yeah, inequality economics, not scarcity which is another differentiator between Piketty and, and uh, Bataille. Bataille was more focused on scarcity. Piketty is more focused on inequality. But anyway, like when you're reading this part, you're like, 
yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know how much you really know about the 19th century Tibetans. Like, do I really believe you on this? And I read one review in, I think, the Times review books that the guy said the same thing. Didn't, like, you know, say Piketty doesn't know anything about all these cultures. But he's like, you can't help but wonder how much Piketty really knows about these cultures. I was like, oh, dang, dog. That's exactly how I feel about this book. So all of that kind of made me think, oh, this is going to be hard. I'm going to finish it. I am one of the few people that finished the capital in the 21st century in its entirety. And it is big books year. So I, you know, it's a thousand pages. It's a big book. I'm going to fucking read it. But I did put it down and start the novelization of the new star Wars instead, <laughs> which is uh, very, very, very expanded from the movie and much more coherent and almost a totally different thing. And you know, that movie really needed to be two parts and uh, stop comparing it to Avengers because Avengers got to be two parts. Uh, but boy, if they shot the book, it would have been a lot better. That's all I'll say about that. Uh, okay, work work is uh, super stressful, but okay. Revenue is wildly fluctuating, but it has, uh, that one, I mean, I don't know, man. It's 50% up and down. Uh, some days we're well below break even. Some days we're near it. Uh, we got a big cushion in the bank, so we're kind of okay uh, for like a year or two unless things keep getting worse but uh so far so good uh it's weird everybody else is working from home which i thought wouldn't affect me because i've been working from home for a long time but it actually does positively because i think i said this last week too because they're all on conference calls from home as well so like the audio quality is much better they're not all sitting in a room now uh but they're all way more chatty online so i'm actually a lot busier than i was sometimes they could go a day or two with just forget about me when they're all in the office and i'm not but that doesn't happen anymore so it's been busy it's been busy but so far so good our work is doing okay which sort of just reinforces my belief that all the money I'm not spending right now, uh, because I'm not going out, should needs to go to charities. If you guys, any of you know any of uh, any GoFundMe's of places I like, any reputable, trustworthy things, uh, the one thing I'm avoiding doing is like these sort of. I know a place in China that will sell masks kind of things. Those aren't my bag. They're too, they're too sketchy. I did one for 20 bucks as an experiment. Plus I trusted her. She's like got a deep background in supply chain, but uh, you know, direct help to people is what I'm looking for. So let me know, hit me up. I'm, 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 I'm giving as much as I can. Uh, projects not heard anything from those Japanese guys. I don't know if that'll ever happen. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy. So I should have done this earlier in the podcast, but, uh, my friend asked me to talk a little bit about basic income, right? So some background, uh, I talk a lot about this Trek book I wrote. Uh, the Trek book is based on an essay I wrote six, seven years ago about the economics of Star Trek. And in the book, I expand on that. And I talk a lot about universal basic income and, uh, you know, it's part of my theory of what's going on in Star Trek, sort of. I don't think they have exact universal basic income. Uh, so I've been on this train for like, you know, six, seven years. Uh, it's obviously been very popularized of late by Andrew Yang, and then even more of late by a bunch of terrified Republicans that want to get reelected and suddenly gave $2 trillion away, even though they talk about fiscal austerity. Uh, what they did is not exactly universal basic income. The idea of universal basic income is that everybody gets the same amount of money. And uh, it's kind of like, it's sort of, this was the moment, I think, because the whole theory has been for quite some time that universal basic income is beloved by people on the left and the right. Uh, the Milton Friedman School of Monetarists, uh, Milton Friedman, very, very sort of right wing economist. Uh, we won't talk too much about Friedman, but anyway, he sort of invented it. He was one of the people that said, like, you should just shower money on people when these times of crisis, like, you know, uh, they also, you can, 
if you're giving everybody the same amount of money, there's no means testing, which means that you can remove, like you can eliminate a significant chunk of the bureaucracy apparatus of the United States government because you don't have to like make sure people make enough money. You just write a check to everyone. It's very easy to write a check at the same amount for everyone. Right. They did not do that in the stimulus. However, they are means testing and it is bullshit and it's going to suck. And the people aren't going to get it fast enough and it's lame and the stimulus isn't big enough. And they could solve both of those problems by just writing the check to everyone, but they didn't. But in the air up until a week ago, there was this suddenly this moment where maybe after all these years of increasing popularity of universal basic income, even Obama has said it's like something he wished he had explored more, explored more. We had a chance that maybe it could have happened and it was very exciting and nobody thought that chance was coming anytime soon, but it did and it did not pan out. I don't think that's going to be the last stimulus, but it's hard to imagine short of a democratic sweep in the fall, uh, universal basic income coming up again. And honestly, it's hard to imagine Biden doing it at all. Right. <laughs> uh, anyway, in the five year anniversary of my Trek book, I expand greatly on this. I walk you through the history of the universal basic income, sort of like the experiments that have happened. There've been some very ex interesting experiments in Canada. It was on the national agenda, like in the Johnson Nixon election, they both were sort of advocating for universal basic income. Johnson was as part of his great society. Nixon was a sort of counter Johnson. Nixon won. He pretended he did it. He was going to do it. He did a couple pilot tests in the United States when in, uh, North Carolina, actually, I think maybe South Carolina and then one in Iowa. And this test actually worked out. Okay. There is empirical evidence about this stuff, but then he, once he won, he was like, ah, screw it. And of course we blew all our money on the Vietnam war. Like we do, we blow all our money on wars instead of giving it to people. It's kind of bullshit. Uh, anyway, you know, um, there've been several times in history recently that there have been organizations, intellectual groups, if you will, that have gotten their sort of beliefs and philosophy ducks in a row and have been ready with a plan so that in a time of crisis, their plan was the one at hand, right? This was a very, uh, Milton Friedman again, very much popularized this. He was like, in times of crisis, the person with a plan is basically in charge. And the, you know, Reagan, Reaganomics coming out of the Carter administration and the inflation there is a perfect example of it. Uh, another one is the second amendment, the guns rights people very much same way. They were ready and they seized the moment. And this time it was kind of exciting because the universal basic income people, uh, you know, there are people on the left that have doubts about basic income and they think that like, you know, the money should go more to the poor than the rich. And there are very valid concerns. And of course, the more the, like the people on the right embrace it, they like some distrust on the left happens from it. But by and large, I think it's still genuinely, <clears throat> generally a good idea. And, but it was kind of interesting to me because this was a moment where some segment of the left had a plan ready for the time of crisis. And the left is very, very rarely good at that. And they almost did it. And that is kind of exciting. They didn't quite pull it off the way Reagan did with, uh, you know, inflation, stagflation in the seventies, but man, even the Republicans, you know, no atheists in, in foxholes, <laughs> no fiscal conservatives in plagues. Right. Uh, if, yeah, if we had a different governor, a president, Something might have happened there, and it might have been really, really cool. Anyway, that's what's going on with uh, UBI. Uh, if you want a copy of the Trek book, just email me. I'll send you a PDF of it, or you can buy it on Amazon or at rickweb.net. But I do lay out a lot of the universal basic income stuff, as well as actually a lot of the Bataille Accursed Share stuff I was talking about earlier. All ties into like my view of Trek economics.
Uh, and then, you know, health, or actually the one other project I've been doing, <laughs> this is kind of fun. I've been screenshotting every email I get from every company about the coronavirus. It's kind of fun. And I'm going to do like an art project, sort of like a Richard Prince thing someday. I think I'm going to mount them in a gallery someday when we're all allowed to go out again. Uh, except we won't want to think about it. Will we, I don't know. I'm going to do something with them. It's a fun project. Everybody's got to send a coronavirus email. Some of them are pretty absurdist. Uh, also, I noticed on her Instagram, Emily Radzikowski, the supermodel, has her copy of the Richard Prince piece of her Instagram post in her living room. That's pretty meta. Anyway, uh, I think that's about it. Diet, cholesterol, health, red wine. I'm not gaining weight, which is kind of nice. I think it's because we're not eating out all the time and I'm not going to New York. I've been midnight snacking, not midnight snacking, but late night snacking. So I have not been keeping the 16 hours every day and I keep the diet for lunch and breakfast. But at uh, dinner, you know, we're eating at home and sometimes it's pasta, sometimes it's rice. And so, so far I haven't gained any weight. I've even lost like a pound or two. It's kind of crazy. So I'm very, very thankful for that. Thanks for listening, guys. It's good to stay in touch in this day and age. I like to know you're out there. You're making my life better. If there's anything any of you need, if you're going through some hard times, let me know. We've got it pretty lucky down here, and our whole MO is to help those that are less lucky, so don't be afraid to ask. Hope you guys are holding up. Hang in there. We're here if you need us. Talk to you guys soon. Take care.